Welcome to Hoof and Horn, a witch's podcast, where we talk about witchcraft, paganism, music, the occult, and whatever else we want. Welcome back to Hoof and Horn, a witch's podcast. In this episode, Braxis, Samuel, and I talk about the history of the winter solstice celebrations in European cultures, including Saturnalia, Yule, Alban Arthen, St. Lucia's Day, and the Mulchon Festival, and also in non-European cultures, including Dongxi, Shabiyalda, Santo Tomas Festival, and Soyal. Later, we discuss ways modern witches and pagans can celebrate the Sabbath, as well as the ephemera of the holiday, such as trees, ornaments, lights, the Yule Log, and why witches and pagans should really stop saying that Christians stole pagan customs for the Christmas holiday. Music in this episode by Sharon Knight and Teethorn Coyle and Dab the Bard. All music used with permission. Be sure to stay tuned for our upcoming mini-episode where we'll talk about the food of the season and a bit of kitchen witchery. Please remember to follow, like, and share our Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. You can leave us a voice message at our anchor.fm home to ask questions, comment, and even suggest upcoming topics. Blessed and happy solstice. And now here's Sharon Knight and T. Thorn Coyle with Solstice Prayer. We wait in the dark for the light to appear. Mother, give birth to a brother, the sun. We wait in the dark for the light to appear. Mother, give birth to a brother, the sun. We wait, we watch. Out of the cold comes the promise of newness. We wait, we watch. Out of the cold comes the promise of day. We wait in the dark for the light to appear. Mother, give birth to our brother, the sun. We wait in the dark for the light to appear. Mother, give birth to our brother, the sun. We wait, we watch. Out of the cold comes the promise of newness. We wait, we watch. Out of the cold comes the promise of day. We wait in the dark for the light to appear. Mother, give birth to our brother, the sun. We wait in the dark for the light to appear. Mother, give birth to our brother, the sun. We wait, we watch. Out of the cold comes the promise of newness. We wait, we watch. 
Out of the cold comes the promise of day. Oh, the weather outside isn't frightful yet, but the fire, if we had one, is so delightful. And since there's no place to go, don't snow yet, don't snow yet, don't snow yet. Never snow. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to drive in it. Well, I got a, a four-wheel drive this year, so I at least want one snow so I can pop that thing and and drive to a berth where I'm not sliding and almost dying. Anyway. Hello. Hello. What a wish. Hello. <laughs> I wish not to die. Mm. <laughs> I wish to fast forward through this. I know you do. Oh my how God. are you, my friends? I'm good. Um, how are you, Samuel? Oh, I'm wonderful. The... It getting dark at 5 p.m. is just killing my spirit, mm. my sunlight spirit. But other than that, I'm pretty good. Trying to deal with the fact that I'm getting literally exhausted at 5 p.m. Yes. <laughs> yes. I've Great been, for bed at 5. I know. Old lady. But. I know. <laughs> I've been going to sleep pretty early for me. Usually I'm like, oh, I've got my second wind and it's 10 p.m. Let's start a project. But not in the last couple of days. I've been wanting to go night nights and then I wake up early for me you know today I woke up at a quarter after six which I thought ew but I went to bed at maybe midnight so Lucky I guess you. I was good that I know good. I know I know I got six hours Woo. nice yeah I've had to bring in a bunch of fucking lights uh lights because well, well where I work um oh just because it's the sun isn't oh. coming through the windows anymore I, yeah you know i'm leaving at like 6 30 and it's like i can't see the person in fucking in front of my face mm -hmm. so mm. yeah will the sun come back not unless we do a ritual uh-huh is a nice segue into the winter solstice <laughs> and that's our topic for this episode the winter solstice absolutely uh such a great one, honestly. One of my favorites. I know. I was on a. I was on someone else's podcast as a guest the other day on the Twilight Tonic podcast, Ooh. and Dee Dee asked me what my favorite Sabbath was, and I had to laugh a little bit because it's sort of. I mean, who doesn't like some Samhain, right? Who who doesn't love that? But I always feel like as the wheel goes and here comes the next you know astronomical holiday which is exactly what sabbaths are um i'm like oh this one's my favorite and then we'll go t and then it's going to be in bulk is going to come around and I'm like, this one's my favorite no t-rex it's sowing every fucking time <laughs> well that's you <laughs> yes praxis uh -huh. likes the i the samhain Sorry, the salad. <laughs> yeah, but this That's one I feel like is really nice. What about you, Samuel? What's your favorite? Do you have a favorite? Um, honestly, I really think that. I mean, I totally agree with you. 
that every every turn of the wheel has somehow become my favorite. Um, obviously, Samhain has a special place in my heart because my birthday is in October, uh-huh. and I and my family, my mom specifically, has always put on a giant uh, costume party for my birthday every year. So I've I've just loved I've loved awesome. Halloween since I was little. That's great. Um, but I think I like and I in Halloween connects to my inner child. Mm-hmm. But I think. Yule or the winter solstice connects to me as an adult because I love the idea of bringing people together to to have family time. Uh, it very much reminds me of how ancestors would have done it, where they have the fire and they really kind of come together as a family unit. And I'm putting sure. that in air quotes. Mm-hmm. Um, and just really enjoying the season together. And there may not be any warmth outside, but our internal warmth is even more important at this time, how we cultivate love and care and friendship as much as we can on the inside as it is freezing and we're unable to really go far or many places because of weather. Um, So I think as an adult, Yule has slowly become my favorite. Love it. So um, I figure we can get some of the, in my notes here, the astronomical details um, aside, and then we're going to talk about some Northern European traditions and then some other solstice traditions around the world that I looked up. And then we'll talk about how we celebrate as uh, modern witches and pagans. Does that sound like a plan? Yeah, I was going to say that the only thing that I just figured out that I like about winter is it holds the longest night in it. There you go. That, that's it, though. <laughs> there you go. You found something. Something. I'm so proud of you. I'm looking, digging deep. <laughs> so this year... <laughs> One thing year, is better than no thing. That's true. That's true. This year, the solstice falls on December 21st at 10.59 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So if you are someplace else other than Eastern Standard Time, you can just use that fancy... Uh, time converter in your phone that you'll find or website and figure out the time for you or just look it up um, this is where the sun like like so the solstices and the equinoxes change dates right there might be the 21st it could be the 22nd sometimes it falls on the 20th and occasionally rarely but sometimes it will go be as late as the 23rd but on the average it's the it's the 21st or 22nd and the reason why those are shifting dates is because we're waiting for the sun to get to that tropic of capricorn to get to zero degrees of capricorn and when that happens that's your solstice there and that can alternate dates we already mentioned that we're here in the northern part of the of the world of the hemisphere of the globe this ball we live on um we're seeing the shortest day and the longest night of the year in terms of daylight um it's a good album name what the longest night the longest night i'm sure it's a there fucking book somewhere with Stephen King. <laughs> put that in your that's probably your, multiple books like, yeah. like i have punk band uh names that no one ever wants to use you can put that in your album names that maybe you will use right, uh, why don't you um, give us a taste of one of those names electric you? donkey party electric donkey party <laughs> We, we might have already talked about this at some Maybe. Point. One of them is also liquid cheese. Okay. Um, and my friend added this one. Germans love David Hasselhoff. They do. That is a great punk band name. That's also right? a fact. 
Liquid so. cheese comes from the menu I saw in a high school at um, White Castle. So going healthy with it then. Yes. And then Electric Donkey Party was a game that was screwed into the wall at the TGI Fridays back in Lake Grove at the mall. Um, and I thought, guys, that would be a great band name. And my friends were all in bands and they would just roll their eyes at me. But someday someone's going to, somebody out there is going to be like, we have been searching for the name mm. Neo now because of Tamara. We have found it. Well, David Hasselhoff <laughs> might be interested in one of those. <laughs> He's gonna start a punk band just for you, Tamara, just so that name can be utilized. He's who we should uh, interview next on the podcast, David Apple. <laughs> anyway, sorry. sorry for that segue, but that was funny. Um, the word solstice comes from Latin, so we have in there a sol, which is obviously the sun, and then sistere, which is to stand still. And this is because it looks like for about three days during the solstice, the, the angle between the sun's rays and the plane of the Earth's equator appears to stand still. Um, I think that it's explained a little bit more clearly from where we, like when you're standing on the Earth, right? Instead of looking at the Earth and where the sun's rays are hitting, or when you're standing on the Earth, it's where the sun's, the sun appears lowest in the sky at the winter solstice and its noontime height seems to stay in the same point for several days. Um, it had previous, previously been decreasing its noontime height, but now it seems to be rising higher and it's taking longer to set and hence the idea of the sun being reborn or rebirthed. Um, in the, not the house that I live in now, but the house I used to live in before, we were kind of a little bit on the hill and there was sort of nothing um, out the western side window. And so I taped a piece of paper across the glass and I used a mark on the floor to know exactly where to stand. And every day between the winter solstice and the summer solstice, I would stand at the window and catch where the sun was, was probably where the sun was setting, because you know I ain't gonna be up when the sun is, is rising, kids, okay? But where is the sun uh -huh. setting? And it was so amazing to watch it move across, like it was a good 18 inches on that window of me marking as the year went by where the sun was setting. And so it's the lowest in the sky that I started at the winter solstice, and then I worked it up to the summer solstice and it was all the way in the other, practically the other window pane. So it's, it was a cool thing to see and became a little project for my boys when they were little. Um, when, when you were talking about the uh, sun standing still for what looked, you know, three days. days. Uh, I remember that from being, you know, uh, in organized religion and yep. uh, it was the three days that it takes for Jesus to get resurrected mm -hmm. once he's dead mm -hmm. and, and I think some Christians believe that he also, he went to hell and or the underworld yes. in those three days and conversed with Satan and all yeah. that stuff uh, so I just think that's interesting yeah. that, I mean I'm sure we could find that in a billion other things but since I grew up that, that oh absolutely really ring a bell for yeah me. put in the tomb yeah. and the, the, the hiding for three days there's the the, the Mabon child right there's a, was that Welsh where Madron 
or is it, yeah, Modron gives birth to Mabon and then he's, they can't find him for three days and mm. he's in the wall. You know, it's probably an interpretation that we've lost some of the meaning of, right? But there's this three-day similarity with uh, Jesus in the tomb and then the three days of the solstice standing still. Um, it really is not the sun that's doing anything, right? Because the sun we know now is stationary. It's our planet yeah. that is tilting. And that's why, yeah. while we here in the northern hemisphere are moving towards our winter solstice, our our witch and pagan friends and people that live in the southern hemisphere, they are moving towards their summer solstice because as we, right, lean away from the sun, they're leaning towards it. And so we have these opposites. Uh, our, you know, pagans and witches in Australia kind of going, why would we celebrate, you know, books that are coming out are predominantly going to be written by people in, you know, Europe, the United States. But they're looking out their window and saying, this is not the, the winter solstice. On, this is our summer solstice. So it's a flip of that calendar, which points to, you know, being agriculturally tied to the land and what is going on outside your window. And maybe if a harvest time isn't, they're not harvesting yet. Maybe you don't have to celebrate the harvest until they do. Honestly, and the galaxy that's why I'm going to have to keep myself in the northern hemisphere. Sorry, wait, 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 go ahead, who go? Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Go ahead, Sam. <laughs> no, uh, you go. I always talk, you go. <laughs> uh, I was just going to say that also comes from having a heliocentered yeah. galaxy that we live in. Yeah, right? yeah. Sun's in the center. What were you going to say, Samuel? I was going to say that's why I'm always going to have to live in the northern hemispheres because I will, there's just nothing in my body that will be able to flip the switch, you sure. know, to be like, all right, like, I know it's supposed to be the winter solstice, but I'm going to celebrate the summer solstice. Yeah. Like, like I'll just have to forever live in the northern yeah. hemisphere because, <laughs> because of the calendar. I, I had a pen pal when I was a Girl Scout who lived in Australia, and it was so wild to be talking to someone and writing to someone who... You know, she's sending me pictures of their Christmas vacation, and they're at the beach, and they're, <laughs> you know, they're doing, they're, and if we're under snow, and it's freezing, but this is their holiday. Their year just looked so different than ours. It was really, really cool. I was like, I don't know if I could, I don't know if I could get behind that. I'd have to, right? But it doesn't feel right. Amazing what a little tilt does. You know? A little tilt. Yeah, it's a tiny little tilt. Be glad you don't live in the North Pole because I think <gasps> during that day the sun doesn't even yeah. shine over there. It's six there. months, isn't it? Almost like three months or something in certain parts of Alaska. Yeah, but that yeah, but I mean on that day, the solstice day, it won't even it come won't up. It won't even come nope. up over there. Yeah. So that's some place not for you. <laughs> well, I like the night, but it's cold there, so that that definitely I'm not going there. Um, so. We can talk a little bit about some of the history of the different uh, holidays that we've had around this time of year that celebrate the solstice. And if, I feel like you have to just start with the Saturnalia, right? Uh, maybe that's me. That's my people. So the Saturnalia, an ancient Roman festival that back in the old calendar began on uh, September 17th and it continued for seven days. December? What did I say? September. I did? Mm -hmm. Okay, September. don't listen to that. Yeah. December 17th and continued for seven days. Um, 
This was held in honor of the god Saturnus, who is the god of agriculture and harvest, time, generations, and dissolutions. I think it sounds like it would have probably amazing because here where you have the society, the roles reverse. So any slaves, right? Masters, their roles reversed. Slaves, the slave people ate at the table. The masters and the, the like, the patronus, right? They're serving people. They they have absolute role reversals. They suspended discipline throughout, like throughout Rome. Wars were suspended. You would have forgivenesses of grudges and quarrels. I think that's probably, mm, yeah. If you've got a real blood grudge, I don't know if we're forgiving it, but okay. And then yeah. it was kind of yeah. like a carnival for for seven days um, of the week. This festival lasted until the third or fourth centuries, uh, until Christianity became the state religion uh, of Rome, and then the customs were absorbed into the celebration of Christmas. And we're going to talk about a little bit of the the raucous celebrations of Christmas like later on, um, but remember this part about the the Saturnalias. You forgot to mention the orgies. There oh. were definitely one. <laughs> okay. Definitely. Okay, and then there was orgies. Too bad we ain't celebrating the Saturnalia, <laughs> huh, Braxis? <laughs> can't can't have a pagan holiday without, without the an orgy. That's right. <laughs> That's right, Samuel. I'm glad you you know the protocol. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, is this where I'm going to talk about... Uh, well, it says your name, doesn't it? Alvin... Alvin Arthen. Alvin Arthen. From Welsh, meaning the light of winter, or the light of author. May possibly be the oldest... Oh, sorry, Zozo. Thanks, Zozo. Uh, may possibly be the oldest seasonal festival. Death of the old sun, at dusk the night of the solstice, and birth of the new sun, at dawn the next day. According to druidry.org, in this darkest time of the year, we celebrate the return of the divine child, the Maybon, the rebirth of the golden solstice sun, who will bring warmth, light, and life back to earth again. The wheel of the year revolves beyond death and towards new light and new life. In the Dru Judaic Druidic. Druidic. That's fun. In the Druidic. Tradition. Druid. Druid. Like, think druid. Yes. Druidic. In the Druidic. 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 <laughs> <laughs> he should have. He should have done that one. In the tr- <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> As I put these together, I was like, "This is gonna be a disaster." Yeah, I'm bad at pronunciating <laughs> stuff. If everybody wants to know. And that. I'm a snorter, so. Yeah, we figured great. that out. <laughs> In the Druidic. No, Druidic. Druidic. In the Druidic tradition, the name of this festival is Alvin Arthen, Welch for Light of Winter. According to an older and more poetic interpretation, the name is Alvin Arthon, meaning Light of Author. In this poetic, poetical image, author is symbolized by the sun. The sun dies and is reborn, just as the mythical author is sleeping deep inside a mountain and will wake up again when the people needs his help. Uh, Alban Arthon, the winter solstice, takes place every year on the 21st or 22nd of December in the Northern Hemisphere. While Samhain is strongly connected with 
insular Celtic culture, Alban Arthon is universal is a universal festival, which has been and still is celebrated by many peoples and long before the coming of the Celts. The winter solstice is probably, together with the summer solstice, the oldest seasonal festival of humankind. Blah, blah, I know. Blah. Like, honestly, as I put these notes together, I really... I, I, I have felt not as much of a connection with the solstices and the equinoxes, right? I, I'm more connected, I feel, to those cross-quarter fire festivals. But then it was really starting to hit me how... Almost, like, every culture is, is going to recognize these these solstices regardless of where on the planet that mm-hmm. they are or we are and i sort of just felt like oh damn this is really cool imagine not knowing why that's happening yeah and you're every scared day you're like is, it's getting is darker and darker and darker and darker and then yay the light comes back uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you would be constantly be, is it going to come back this time? Mm-hmm. Is it going to come back this right. time? Right, we have adding, to do the rituals or it might not come back this time. Adding an even yeah. newer and persistent fear of winter is, is the sun going to actually come back? Are we mm-hmm. going to get our uh, harvest and such back? Yeah. Yeah. Um. So um, obviously we know today that the sun is going to return, but our ancestors didn't, um, especially considering that currently our our solar system is being explored so extensively that the knowledge that we have access to is vastly different than the knowledge that our ancestors did. Um, however, they didn't take the sun's return for granted, um, and we have to remember that the hardships that they suffered during the winter time were significantly more severe than we will ever suffer, typically for the for the majority of us who are listening. Um, for an agricultural society um, whose survival depended mostly on crops, the return of the sun was not just a matter of casual celebration, but it was rather a matter of life and death. Something that I think about frequently is how um, modern paganism. Ha- re- associates fertility with just pregnancy Mm. when in all reality what our ancestors realized to be fertility was a significant instance of are we going to live or are we going to die because if the crops were not fertile their their whole village would be decimated so i think that around this time period it is important to reminisce on what you consider to be fertile or what is fertility in general to you because it really was a matter of life or death what Stonehenge, what Stonehenge is for Alban Heffen, or Newgrange is for Alban Arthen, Newgrange as Bru Nebron is a mighty Neolithic passage tomb and temple structure in a valley of the Boyne River in Ireland. Its age is presently estimated to be approximately 5,200 years old, making Newgrange even older than the pyramids of Giza in Stonehenge. Newgrange is aligned towards the sunrise of the winter solstice. When the sun reaches a certain angle, the light shines through a special window, the famous roof box, along a 17-meter, 57-feet-long passage. And at the end of the passage falls onto a big stone, which bears the carving of a threefold spiral. One of the oldest symbols, actually, ever to be discovered is that threefold, that threefold spiral at Newgrange. The event lasts for about 15 minutes, during which the light is wandering across the floor of the passage and at the stone at the end as if it wanted to tell a story. 
This alignment has been esoterically interpreted as the insertion of a ray of light by the sun god into the womb of Mother Earth to bring about the creation of new life in the spring. I have been to... Uh, so I, I missed... We missed the bus to Newgrange when I was in Ireland one time, like timing-wise, but we were able to catch the tour bus to Noth. And... Uh, that's also, um, it's smaller than Newgrange, but it's very similar. And we were able to look with like our cameras just zoomed in and look at Newgrange from where we were in Noth. And they had very similar um, like moon calendars and spirals carved into the rock there. And it was so, so beautiful. There's also uh, Lao Cru, which um, is in that Boyne River Valley and is, uh, is attached to all of this uh, this as well uh, some of the other monuments aligned to the winter solstice are like I said to be found at Noth and Laucru uh, Maze Howe which is in Orkney in Scotland and the so called seven mile cursus in Dorset England the winter solstice can also be watched through specific stone formations of Stonehenge although this is not the main alignment of that particular monument the deities of Alban Arthen are the Dagda and Bridget. Bridget is the bearer of the flame of inspiration, which penetrates the darkness of mind and soul. Just as the light is, is reborn, the sun penetrates the darkest time of the year. The cauldron of the Dagda is a symbol for the promise that nature will bear fruit once again and care for all the beings living on earth. The plants of Alban Arthen are in the first place mistletoe and holly, but in a wider sense, all evergreen plants like spruce, fir, pine. The green of the plants is pleasant to the eye and symbolizes the promise of renewal and new growth. We're going to talk about the Christmas tree or the Hanukkah bush and the Yule tree later on. <laughs> you got St. Lucia's Day. St. Lucia's Day in Scandinavia, St. Lucia Day, also called St. Lucy's Day on December 13th, the solstice by the old calendar, marks the start of the Christmas season with a procession of young women in white robes, red sashes, and wreaths of candles on their heads lighting the way through the darkness of winter, honoring St. Lucia. Lucia. Lucia, a.k.a. St. Lucy, this festival incorporates pagan winter solstice celebrations marked by bonfires. Uh, the observance commemorates Lucia of... Syracuse. Syracuse, an early 4th century virgin martyr under the, oh man, Diocletianic. Yes, Diocletian, right, is one of the, the emperors. So this is Diocletianic persecution. And just so you know, she had to pronounce I did that, that especially on, for I'm, you, I'm glad Praxis. you did, because I still <laughs> muddled through it, but I appreciate the effort. Uh, let's see. Let's start that over. Let's see. The obs uh, observance commemorates Lucia of Syracuse, an early 4th century virgin martyr under the Diocletianic persecution, who, according to legend, brought food and aid to Christians hiding in the Roman catacombs, wearing a candle-lit wreath on her head to light her way and leave her hands free to carry as much food as possible. Her feast day, which coincided with the shortest day of the year prior to calendar reforms, is widely celebrated as a festival of light. 
Falling within the Advent season, St. Lucy's Day is viewed as a perk precursor of Christian Christmas tide. Pointing to the arrival of the light of Christ in the calendar on Christmas Day. St. Lucy's Day is celebrated most widely in Scandinavia and Italy, with each emphasizing a different aspect of her story. In Scandinavia, where Lucy is called St. Lucia, she is represented as a lady in a white dress symbolizing a baptismal robe and a red sash symbolizing the blood of her martyrdom with a crown of wreath of candles on her head. Um, I've seen in uh, Wiccan writings that candle crown being utilized at Imbolc. Um, but if you've seen it, yes, yep, people putting it on their head and making it an Imbolc tradition. It comes from St. Lucy. Um, a special devotion to St. Lucy is practiced in the Italian regions of Lombardy, Emilia Romagna, Veneto, Friuli, Venezia Giulia, and Tarantino, or Trentino Alto Adige in the north of the country and in Sicily in the south, as well as in the Croatian coastal region of Dalmatia, in Hungary and Croatia. A popular tradition on St. Lucy's Day involves planting wheat grains that grow to be several centimeters tall by Christmas Day, representing the nativity of Jesus. That reminds me of an ancient Egyptian thing where they would have these planters in the shape of Osiris. And then they would plant like the weed or the grass in there. And as it grew, it was the resurrection of Osiris. That's cool. Super cool, right? Yes. Yes. I love that. I know. Really cool. Um, I've just recently learned something about La Babania. Yes. Uh, which the is Italian the, Christmas the witch. Christ- <laughs> the Christmas witch um, from Italy. Yep. I watched a little video about her, and I thought that was so cute. She delivers presents on her broom down chimneys yep. on January 5th. I, She looks so cute. I would yes. much rather have my children be, be celebrating La Bafania. The Bafana, yeah. There you go. Yep. Bafania. Um, next is the Montol Festival in Cornwall. Um, a reinterpretation of ancient Cornish winter tradition. The winter solstice festival in Montol in the town of Penzance mm-hmm. celebrates the culture of England's westernmost peninsula. Wearing carnival-like costume geysers, or the people that wear the costumes geysers, not the things that spew hot right. water, <laughs> uh, form a procession with lanterns creating a river of fire meant to celebrate the return of the sun. In the old custom, geysers would roam the streets putting on singing songs and pulling pranks. Part of the fun was trying to guess who was who. Today, traditional music, dancing, and performances add to the festive atmosphere. According to visitcornwall.com, traditionally made from ash wood, the lighting of the Yule log is an old Cornish tradition. A stick man or woman is chalked on the log as a symbol of the death of the old year and the birth of the new and is then thrown into the fire. Kind of has like this ring of human sacrifice to it like instead of throwing a person in the fire we'll just draw a person on this this piece of wood and chuck that in the fire that'll go over good hey <laughs> if that sacrifice is still accepted absolutely wood, much easier not wood. and much more accessible <laughs> right uh, well we also have the feast of yule uh the 
Feast of Yule was a pre-Christian festival observed in Scandinavia at the time of the December solstice. Fires were lit to symbolize the heat, light, and life-giving properties of the returning sun. Scholars have connected the original celebrations of Yule to the Wild Hunt, the God Odin, and the pagan Anglo-Saxon Moderate. Yeah, I think it's Modranit, like Modranite, the God Modran, Modranite, I think. But don't mark me on that. You guys can do your homework and go look that up. Yule is a modern version of the Old English words Yule or Gyol and Gyola, Gyoli. With the former indicating the 12-day festival of Yule. So when you see it in Old Scandinavia, it's J-U-U-L. And I think Anglo-Saxon, we then were English Y-U-L-E. Right, and they're utilizing the word Yule and Yule Tide, similarly with Christmas Tide. Um, the latter indicating the month of Yule, whereby um, Ergiola referred to the period before Yule in December, and after uh, Giola referred to the period after Yule. Did I say that right? After a. Aftera Giola. Yeah. Aftera Giola. We need someone who's, who is a Norwegian or Scandinavian to leave us a message and tell us how to pronounce these things. Because we just, we just Americans over here, you know? Uh, the word is conjectured in an explicitly a pre-Christian context, primarily in Old Norse. Among many others, the long-bearded god Odin bears the name Yolnir, the Yule one. In Agrip, written in the 12th century, Christmas, or Yol, is interpreted as coming from one of Odin's names, Yolnir. In poetic language, a plural form, Old Norse Yoln, may also refer to the gods collectively. In Old Norse poetry, the word is found as a term for feast, like Hunin's Yol, a raven's feast. Hunin is one of Odin's ravens, right? Hunin and Munin. And it's like memory and thought. Is what thought and memory, thought yeah. And memory. Flying around, telling him all they see, and then they whisper it into his ears, and that's why Odin knows everything. <laughs> uh, I, wonder if, I wonder if Odin will contract them out to me, because I love... <laughs> you can uh, ask. He might want to raise something Munin. back, but... They spill all the hot tea, girl. They know all the hot tea. Let me tell you. <laughs> From back in the day. Um, um, <laughs> the saga of Hakan, the good, the good, credits King Hakan the first of Norway, who ruled from 1934 to 1961 with the Christianization of Norway, as well as rescheduling Yule to coincide with Christian celebrations held at the time. Yule had previously been celebrated for three nights from midwinter night, according to the saga. Emily Hollander writes the description of Yule in Hemkernskilga, yeah. History of the Kings of Norway. It was an ancient custom that when sacrifice was to be made, all farmers were to come to the heathen temple and to bring with them the food they needed while, they fe while the feast lasted. At this feast, all were to take part of the drinking of ale. Also, we all, pagans love a good ale, we girl. Do. We, we do. love a good mead. We love a good cake. <laughs> also, all kinds of livestock were killed in connection with it. Horses as well. And all the blood from them was collected in what's called a halt, 
a sacrificial blood and a halboli, the vessel holding the blood, and a haltener, which I think is pronounced correctly, or correctly, the sacrificial twigs. These were fashioned like sprinklers, like an asperger, right? You tie the twigs together and you've got the bowl and you've got the blood that they've collected, right? And then they were to smear the blood all over the pedestals of the idols, so idols, the statues of the gods and the walls of the temple inside and outside. And then also all the people present were sprinkled with that blood. They did a really good job at that, depicting that in the Vikings uh, series. When they would go to the temple, they would shit like the blood in the bowl and those priests would, everybody got flicked in the face with that blood. Um, the meat of those animals was boiled and served as food at the banquet. So they didn't go to waste, they fed the people. Uh, fires were to be lighted in the middle of the temple floor and kettles then were hung over those fires. The sacrificial beaker was to be borne around the fire, and he who made the feast and was chieftain was to bless the beaker as well as all the sacrificial meat. According to an entry on Wikipedia, scholars have connected the month event and Yule period to the wild hunt, a ghostly procession in the winter sky. The god Odin, who is attested in Germanic areas, is leading the wild hunt and bears the name Yolnir, uh, and increased supernatural activities such as the wild hunt and the increased activities of Dragar, mm -hmm. undead beings who walk the earth. The events of Yule are generally held to have centered on midwinter with feasting, drinking, and sacrifice. Scholar Rodolf Semek says the pagan Yule fest had a pronounced religious character and that it is uncertain whether the numeric Yule Fest still had a function in the cult of the dead and in the veneration of the ancestors, a function which, which the midwinter sacrifice certainly held for the West European Stone and Bronze Ages. The traditions of Yule Log, Yule Goat, Yule Boar... Sonar Goltel. ...still reflected <laughs> in the Christmas ham... Right? Yeah. Uh, Yule singing and others possibly have connections to pre-Christian Yule customs, which Semek says indicates the significance of the feast in pre-Christian times. If you haven't, if you don't know anything about the Yule goat, we had a Yule goat, mm. right? This Thor, this myth of Thor and the Yule goat. So one of the Yule goats that we made for ritual, I still have, uh, he sits out, his back is busted that. a bit and I've kind of like patched him over, but he sits in front of my uh, fireplace and you know, there that Yule boar, the Christmas ham, where the hell does the Christmas ham come from? What's the pig got to do with anything? There you go, What's the Yule boar. What's pig got to do, got <laughs> to do with it, baby? <laughs> So um, we'll go and touch back on some of those things, especially some of those things about Yule when we're talking about the the winter solstice and Christmas traditions we see in our culture a lot. But I wanted to, in, in some of the research that I did, I thought this was just really wild in finding some of the non-European holidays celebrating uh, the winter solstice. So in China, there is a holiday called Dongji which celebrates the solstice and at the end of their harvest season. Uh, it, apparently, the holiday has roots in the Chinese concept of yin and yang. 
so that after the solstice, the abundance of darkness in winter will begin to be balanced with the light of the sun. I found uh, an Iranian festival called Shabi Yalda, which celebrates the end of shorter days and the victory of light over darkness. It means birth. Yalda is marked by family gatherings, candles, originally fires that were lit all night, poetry readings, and a feast to get through the longest night of the year. Really similar to kind of what, we, what we're doing, right? The things that you said, Samuel, that you love about the solstice. Yeah. Um, yeah. I found a festival in Guatemala called the Santo Tomas Festival. So in the Catholic Church calendar, they put the uh, celebration, the main celebration of St. Thomas in June, but he's also connected to this week and celebrated for a week in December. And it's thought that this is because of the ancient Mayan festival, which timed with, with the solstice. It's at this, I've heard of this before, I, and I forgot about it, but when I read this again, I remembered seeing some uh, video of it. But there's a custom at this time, uh, is the flying pole dance. And it's where men climb up a hundred foot pole, tying on a rope, and they jump off the top of it. Imagine that sounds like a hundred foot pole. Climb the pole, be suicide. up there, and then jump off the top of it. Uh, so next year for Yule, that's what we're doing. <laughs> Get ready, boys! <laughs> I found. I have to just blow a lot. Yeah, uh, we can use the maypole for that. Keep it up. Jump <laughs> off the maypole. Repurpose uh, it. <laughs> right. Upcycle. Um, I found a celebration called called Soyal of the Hopi tribe. So these are the indigenous people of present-day northern Arizona, and they celebrate part of this, uh, the winter solstice. What, do you have something to say? You don't have anything to say, Zozo. Settle no. down. Hey, settle down. Have you ever seen those Kachina dolls? Yeah. Yeah, so here, this is part of that tradition where they honor the Kachina dolls, which are their ancestral spirits representing the natural world. During the Soyal solstice ceremony, which is led by the tribal chief, the sun is welcomed back to its summer path with ritual dances. They do gift giving, just like right other, other cultures do, prayers for the coming year, singing and storytelling are part of their festivities. They have prayer sticks and conchina dolls are often made in preparation for uh, the celebration. So, that, I mean, I'm sure you, you jump on the interwebs, you're going to find a lot more celebrations and more details even about the things that we did talk about. There's going to be a lot more details to it. But that was just like a little, a little touch of other cultural traditions and things that bleed into our modern winter solstice celebrations and let's celebrate with this with, with a little bit of a song what do you think a song, a song. let's play a song Returned to their homes, a 
so when I was on that other podcast uh, the other day, um, something that you know was asked of me was sort of how to. I mean, I, I think in my life, I don't really get that much of pushback from other people that are not pagan or, or from Christian people not understanding. It's just not in my in my wheelhouse. But I know that that does happen to other people. If not, you know, we're all going to see it across a, a little bit of time of it's a Christmas tree, not a this, or the attack on Christmas. And really, I feel like it's a perfect time of the year to find common ground, right? And mm -hmm. with the things that, the, the holiday symbols of Christmas especially, um, what was that? Did you hear that? I did. Oh, <laughs> I thought, are we busting into a song and I don't even know it? Um, you know, we have a lot of these, these, our decorations and our traditions, they don't really have anything to do that much on the surface with the birth of the S-O-N, right? The son of God. But I think it's okay to have a Christmas tree and also call it a Yule tree. Um, I don't think that it is helpful at all for witches or pagans to run around saying things like Christians, like you stole these traditions. Because let's back up for a second. Unless you are from a very specific area in the world where Christianity is born, you are colonized by that religion. Right? So all three of us, me, having uh, Italian blood and uh, German and Welsh blood and Swedish or no Swiss Swiss and English and Irish right we're all colonized by that particular religion so these things were always ours yeah they always were because yeah this the having a tree that's it comes from Germanic um, that the, the tree itself, that part, comes from uh, Germanic tradition. Uh, lighting lights, we can kind of see every culture is going, where is the light going? And so that's an element of sympathetic magic, right? If I, I got to beckon the sun back, let me light lights. Let me let's light candles. Let's have that bonfire. Like attracts like. So putting lights on those trees or there being candles around is, uh, is sympathetic magic. Um, wreaths, the greenery, it, they're symbols of life. So whether you are celebrating it as Yule or the winter solstice or and your parents or your, your siblings or your family or your neighbors are utilizing those, those elements, the uh, ephemera, right? And they're calling it Christmas. It's know your history. And if somebody's kind of bumping up against you going these are Chris these are Chris this is Christmas stuff this is not pagan stuff this is well it is but find that common ground kind of I think together isn't it cool that we can have very similar things and you approach it this way and I'll approach it that way I think if you approach it in a way of wow this is cool nobody can if someone's going to get upset about it how do they really argue with you when you're approaching it and from a loving 
a loving place. When it comes to paganism or when it comes to people coming to this religion or spiritual practice, if you rail against the word religion, um, I think that there is a certain amount, because I was one of those pagan people when I first started, because I came from Christianity, I came from a very um, toxic version of Christianity, and I was very much like, well, Christians stole paganism. They adopted everything that we did, you know, and I was very hateful about it. Mm -hmm. um, now that I've grown up and I realize that there is a lot of beauty in the fact that we share a lot of the same traditions, but their traditions do belong to them as much as our traditions belong to us. We may celebrate or um, enjoy those things for different reasons, but isn't it kind of fascinating that we can still enjoy those things as a whole. So I think that while you can heal this part of yourself if you are traumatized by Christ by Christianity, by saying that Christians stole pagan traditions, then okay. But at some point, I think that there has to be a, a quote-unquote come-to-Jesus meeting <laughs> where you, <laughs> where, you uh, where you rectify that thinking and realizing that we can celebrate the same thing, but in different ways. Because I've had a Christmas tree every every year of my life. My parents went out of their way to make sure they had a live Christmas tree. Mm -hmm. Now, as an adult, I'd be like, well, Mom, you invited the spirit of the evergreen into the house because it's an everlasting tree. It never dies, blah, 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 blah. You know, am I going to shit on my mom's favorite holiday? No. Right. But can I enjoy the fact that she does it and I get to and I get to know the secret behind it. And if family are open to it, absolutely you should, you know, educate. But in the same vein, are you really going to destroy familial ties when this is the time where we family gets together, where love and, and joy and happiness is celebrated between all of us, uh, just to try and pr prove a point that Christians stole things? Right. No, you know. So so heal it within yourself. But yeah. obviously, like. If you've dealt with some traumatic things, we work we work through it. You know, mm -hmm. work work through it, but still enjoy the holiday for what it is, regardless of what you celebrate. Yeah, I, I think like when you when you look at the calendar, there's a reason why Christmas is placed where it is, and you can kind of look back at your, you know, even Christians could kind of look back at their their ancestors and go, we were really enjoying these these times, right? We were really enjoying these festival festivals. The winter solstice was important and it couldn't be stomped out. So why not, if you're introducing a new religion, why not place it at a, at a time where the mythology can kind of line up, right? So whether it's the rebirth of the the S-U-N or the birth of the S-O-N, um, it was placed there because people didn't want to let go of those traditions. Who, who would? I wouldn't. That's fun. Celebrating the, the return of light is fun. And I think, you know, Hanukkah placed where it is. I don't know, because I'm not Jewish, if that is actually tied to a calendar event, right, where, where, where Hanukkah is put. But you can see that that is about that's about light too, a miracle of light, light that shouldn't have lasted as long as it did, but it did. Um, 
Yeah, I just I just kind of dig how how similar that it that it can be. And I feel like if you're new to practicing witchcraft, it's just a perfect time of the year to it things are familiar more so than maybe Imbolc might be or Beltane might be. Uh things are familiar so you can kind of um blend it in pretty easily. The things that you have around you, uh, having a, a tree in your house, whether you know your parents call it a, a Christmas tree and you call it a Yule tree, knowing why the tree is there, right? It's whether they're looking at it as a gift of a symbol of everlasting life, so are you, right? Maybe life through this individual in their religion, but for uh, which it's this promise of returning nature, like the life in the earth will return. Putting lights on trees, putting ornaments on trees. So when I put ornaments on my tree, I kind of sort of divide them up color-wise. And I do more of like a color magic thing. All the things that are blue might be for I don't know, good health. Things that are pink are for um, friendship. Red things are for love. The green ones are for prosperity. Hanging things in trees were like petitions to the spirit of that tree or the local spirits or the deity connected to that place. So there's your ornaments right there. I feel a little bit sad for the former Jehovah's Witness that's in the room because you didn't get to celebrate this kind of stuff. And I feel like that's like you don't have a connection as much to it. Nope. And that's why I have to bring you a Charlie Brown tree every year and, and force you to have one. <laughs> no, I was running around elementary school telling everybody that Santa Claus wasn't real. And like being legit, like the facts of it, you know, like you don't even have a fucking chimney, dude, you know. <laughs> so you were that kid. Yeah, well. Thanks. Thanks, Praxis. Yeah. Um. Poor thing. Oh, my gosh. You just have to feed that inner child, my love. Right. You it's know, probably, like... It's probably why I haven't grown opening. all the way up. It's probably why. <laughs> I'm going to get lights around this house by the end of this, this uh, week if it kills me. <laughs> I will. Aww. Do you so, know... This is kind of off topic, but do you know why they started using mistletoe? you know where that came from? What would you like to tell us? Well, because back in the day when Christmas was... Because Christmas wasn't celebrated here until, like, after the American Revolution. Right, because why? Because they were out of control parties right. for a month long. And uh, do you know how they the New York it. Police Department became about? Because of Christmas. To calm because everybody Christmas, down. We have a New York Police Department. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but the mistletoe, so you couldn't kiss out in public, you know, back in the day. And so this gave you an excuse to be able to kiss your, you know, whoever uh, under the mistletoe. Under the mistletoe, yeah. So I think it was like 1660-something to 1681. Uh, like Christmas here was sort of it was outlawed, mm -hmm. you know, because think about, we'll go back, right? Think about the Saturnalia. Raucousness drunkenness, the flip-flop, topsy-turviness of it, um, even... Sexual <laughs> immorality? Right, right, like these <laughs> festivals getting together, <laughs> parties, bonfires, that's not really, like, Puritans didn't like that, no, see, Zozo. 
Puritans were like, no, no, on the partying and the getting drunk and going door to door and and partying with your neighbors. So they said, ex nay to the rismus yay. Right, a little bit of pig Latin there for you. Um, but yeah, it was kind of it was it was not that much of a big deal. Um, I think that I have read someplace as well that. It's Charles Dickens. Yes. Right? Well, there was a writer before him. Oh, even before him? That had a a story, and in it he had a picture of, like, some royal family. Gathered around the tree. Around the tree and the lights. And you should see the tree. It's so pathetic looking. It's got, like, levels in it. You know what I mean? Like somebody went in and cut out. (laughs) It's so pathetic. But that's where everybody started to get the feel and the look for Christmas. And then Charles Dickens came around and wrote that story. Right, and then Christmas the pictures Carol. that came along with that. Yeah yeah. 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 And I think, like, um, if you think about the story, A Christmas Carol, it's creepy, right? He's visited by Gary. at least four ghosts, mm-hmm. the ghost of his former partner, and then the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future. I love Christmas past. Right? He, if that is not a jolly, Odin-esque kind of dude, I don't know what is. Um, That's Christmas present. That Oh, Christmas present, right. The Christmas past is more of like the angely looking old, sometimes depending on how they're... My favorite Christmas Carol movie is the one with Alistair Sims. Thank you very much. 1920-something. Get that one. Um... But yeah, Christmas present, you're right, the Christmas present. And then um, that tradition of of kind of sitting around and telling ghost stories around this darkest time of the year where, like, wind is howling, and that, to me, kind of connects to the wild hunt, you know, the Odin's wild hunt. Santa having eight reindeer... Uh, how many legs did Odin's horse Sleipnir have? Was it eight? Eight. He's riding around on an eight-legged horse. Yes, sir. Riding around on that night, scooping up all of like these dead. Yeah. The dead. <coughs> but Tamra, Ouch. what? You know that there's nine reindeer for <laughs> Rudolph. Right. I get it. Come on. Yes. Well, shut up. I've I've never even thought about like I've heard quite frequently that Yule or the winter solstice is an extremely liminal time where um, spirit work is really done. Yes. Um, because the connection there is so is so intense, and I've always I've always been very curious to think about the why do we have why is Samhain the way Samhain is about like the liminal time where the veil is thin when from here from Samhain until the winter solstice is supposed to be like an extremely liminal time where ghosts and spirits are supposed to be very active. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a this is a fantastic time to do necromancy or spirit work if that is what suits your fancy. Absolutely. Uh, because if you think of if you think about it, I mean, even what you canonically know to be like typical horror movies, all the scary ghost stuff happens when it's dark out. Side, you yeah. know, like that happens for a reason. That's why. I mean, it's not just because it's scarier when it's nighttime. Like that's there's a, there's a reason behind it. Yep. So, talk to your ants. I mean, I think you should talk to your ancestors every All day. Time. But if you yeah. are trying to connect to your ancestors, the the these type of holidays are definitely the day to embark on that. Yes, I, I think that 
the veil is still thin. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I feel like the, the veil is even thin afterwards because whether it, it was back then or now, we're still going into a really hard time of the winter. While the light is very slowly returning and the sun is, you know, staying out longer, it's cold as hell out there. And there's food insecurity still. We, we might be able to, like I always say, hunt the grocery store if we live in a place of privilege or even minimal privilege. Um, but people are still hungry, you know, and things aren't as plentiful. And so I feel like it's still kind of a, a liminal time. And there is, it's still kind of seems a little bit like death to me. You know, it's everything is still kind of pretty dead and frozen. I Were wish. You looking up something? I was looking up to see who wrote that story, but I can't phrase the question right. So okay. you'll have to do your own research on that. Um, I wish that, you know, everybody talks about, you know, the season of giving and, you know, treating each other with kindness and all. I just wish that, you know, we could why can't we do that all the time? Why is it just in this month of December that everybody's all of a sudden, oh, we need to Capitalism. do it because it's a holiday. <laughs> Why don't we do it because we're fucking human beings? You right. Know? Well, you absolutely still should be. The Christmas spirit, that's the word. You know, I mean, that's basically Christ's masked spirit. So Christ, like, treated everybody the same, you know? Mm. So well, I just... I hate hearing that word because I'm just like, oh, most of the people that I know that celebrate that are only during this time that they talk that way. Yeah. And hell, I don't even know if they or act that way, tweet. but... What? Go ahead, Tweety. Oh, I was just... No, you go ahead. I'm done. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, I wonder if it's some type of ingrained uh, attribute that we just continue to have after childhood because just imagine how like how it was to be a child to be like oh you're not a good kid Santa's not going to give you anything you know so like around this time of year like there's something in the adult brain to be like I have to be nice or I'm not going to get good <laughs> you know um, yeah. which it totally connects to your capitalism content, uh, comment here uh, but yeah. I think that that's, I, I was thinking about that, like, that's kind of funny, like, even adults, there's somewhere in their little brain, they're like, oh my god, if I'm not good to people, I'm going to get cold or bad gifts, so I have to be nice for at least this one month. Yes. And that's it. Let me be on my best behavior, right? And I still don't know if mm -hmm. Christmas is about Jesus or is about Santa Claus. To this day, there, they seem to have equal footing in Yes. That. There's a great book that I have. I've never read it all the way through. I've kind of like flipped through oh, it at this time it. of the year. When you know Jesus it. was Santa Claus? No, no, what, no, when Santa was a shaman. Oh, that's it. Yeah. And it kind of ties, it's fabulous. And it ties this spirit back through like Odin and the shaman. And, and it's so good. And so I felt like it was really w well researched. Um, for my, you know, as the, the person in the room that has children i never told them that santa came down a chimney because i remember how crushing it was to find out that santa was my parents right you know and 
element of the magic of that time of year dying. I literally remember sitting in front of, on the, at the piano, where my mom would put up the night before Christmas storybook and always loving it and going through it and being like, yes, right? Like here comes Santa. And that first year that I knew that Santa wasn't real, that I sat there and flipped through it and I was like, this isn't just fun. And I never wanted my boys to feel that crushing. I remember peeking through the kitchen window and my dad told my next oldest brother, like the one right under me. was just about me, to ask, how'd you find out? My father, like my parents told me, and they were just like, hey, am I, I saw how my dad did it. <laughs> hey, hey we're Santa. Yeah, my dad held his hand out to my brother, like a shake hand. He said, hi, I'm Santa. And I just kind of watched like Larry go through it. You know what I mean? So I really just never really wanted I, them to, like I didn't take away magic because what I told them is honestly what I think is that Santa is a spirit, right? Santa is a spirit of giving. And if we can talk about egregores and if we can talk about how we have put out whatever culture we come from, whatever pantheon we're talking about, that we put up a need for a god or a goddess, and then deity responds and this god or goddess is created, right? It's a, it's a symbiotic relationship. Then I think Santa is real because of hundreds of years of talking about him and millions of people making him real that I told my boys that Santa was a spirit. And when you come become a parent, then Santa can communicate with parents to know what their children want for Christmas or for Yule or for the solstice. And he works through the parents. And they still thought that that was fucking cool. You know, and there was, they left the cookies out. We did the Rudolph thing, you know, but it was never like, hey guys, guess what? I've been lying to you for about <laughs> eight years. <laughs> However long. Talk to your children about fear possession and Santa possessing the parents. Right. Let's talk about trance, boys. You know, so um, that's how, you know, that's how I think it, I mean, it's very much an Odin kind of figure. Odin in his benevolent um, form, because there's absolutely an Odin that will whack you with a two by four as most deities have you know both of those benevolent and, and more challenging sides um but this is like the the answers kind of uh odin of santa i see i see him in that so cray cray yeah I think some ways that we can sort of celebrate, especially if you're uh, alone and you don't have anyone to practice with. Um, I don't do this as much anymore because I'm usually on call. So staying up all night long, I could be regretting that um, if somebody goes into labor, but I used to sort of try to uh, midwife the night kind of thing, the night of the solstice when the sun goes down and kind of staying up and, you know, maybe with candles, candles on your Yule, your Yule log. Maybe you could talk about what you do with your Yule log there, Samuel. But sort of staying up all overnight or at least waking up really early and uh, midwifing the sunrise, 
you know, being present and watching that sunrise as the sun is reborn there. Uh, maybe you're catching some of those sunlight rays into a, a crystal, a quartz crystal or a tool or something and utilizing it if you need inspiration or, or rebirth about something and you've caught a bit of that energy in that, in that crystal is what I do. Um, I still think we're going to do a whole little mini episode about uh, kitchen witchery and and baking and how that can kind of fit into Yule because everyone's baking, right? Everyone's baking and making stuff. And so there's still magic in that as well. Um, talk about the Yule log maybe. Yeah. Um, so what I did last year, and this is a tradition that I, that I have decided that I'm going to keep going because it's something that I really enjoyed. Um, it really just depends on whenever I have the, the, the time available because I love to cook four-course dinner. Like there's, a, there's hors d'oeuvres, drinks, um, appetizers, and then there's main course and dessert and drinks, of course. Uh, but something that I love to do for the Yule Log is, is that I'll go out into the woods, and even though what we had just mentioned traditionally it would be an ash tree, I just intuitively go out into the woods and I'm like, okay, which log wants to be the Yule Log? Um, and of course, you have to leave offerings um, if you're going to take something from the woods. That's how I was taught. Um, if you have nothing else, I actually taught a class um, at one of our Sabbath rituals about how to uh, create spiritual baths. And I said, if you yeah. have nothing else on you and you really want to pick something, literally just rip out a little bit of your hair and leave it. But I think that if you have the ability to leave offerings that are apples, water is always a quality offering for things of the earth, for spirits of the earth. Um, I leave apples. Rum is something else that I was taught that you can leave, um, even though candles aren't necessarily the best thing to leave outside if they're not natural. I've also been taught that you can leave a white candle, you know, for the spirit of something that you're taking. Um, and then the Yule Log, um, how I conceivably understand to be, kind of tells me what it wants. So last year, I it was wet outside, so I put it in the oven to let it, like, dry, and then I put essential oils on it, so orange and lemon oil, lemongrass essential oils. I put cinnamon and clove on it and baked it all in there so it smelled delicious. Um, obviously praying over it, encanting over it. You can sing over it, like sing Christmas carols over it or Yule carols. Um, there are pagan versions of very canonical Christmas mm -hmm. songs. There are. Um, talk to it, give it an offering, of course, because it's the spirit that you're inviting into your house to perform some type of act. And then um, after dinner's over, I will set everybody down, talk to them about what the winter solstice is, and then I will give everyone a candle that we will light on the Yule log. So you want to try and make sure that the Yule log is uh, able to fit all of the candles and be able to hold them sturdily so they don't fall over and catch the Yule log on fire. <laughs> um, but then I, I tell people to anoint their candles in an oil, which is typically olive oil, um, put, it on the, put it on the Yule log, and then it burns down. And then the Yule log, the spirit of the Yule log will manifest that petition um, because I'm the one that's given it offerings and I'm the one that's encourage the spirit to help out, then the people that I love most are going to reap the benefit of 
the labor that I've taken in making it and creating it and giving it offerings. So that's my version of the Yule Log. I love it. I was thinking while you were talking a bit, or, you know, inviting everybody over and making, like, a party and food and drinks and stuff, and then I was thinking about what you said, Braxis, about this, everyone's talking about the spirit of giving, you know? Um, it reminded me that, you know, turn the clock back a while, you, you're still, like I said, we still have a ways to go until spring, and so why not get together uh, share things people eat people celebrate because we still have to look into the face of darkness right and cold and so there is I think like the spirit of sharing um, that's there that I think we should again yes we should always do but I wonder if that bit of that Christian Christmas spirit of like Christmas spirit kind of comes from again uh, old winter solstice pagan gatherings of get together and celebrate the return of light and party and probably right? sharing what you had with others yeah. because no. that harvest you know if you lived in a village you want everybody to live because everybody's serving a purpose right right you're your tailor you don't want him to die you right know? you don't want your blacksmith to starve to death right so everybody's just sharing the surplus of what they got until mm -hmm. you know the next harvest or whatever yeah taking a dish home from the the christmas party i mean maybe we're dividing up i've got this you've got that let's trade a little bit of this for a little mm -hmm. bit of that see and maybe see you at the next th the, the shindig see well, you at the like next the turn campground at a fish show it's like starwood <laughs> yeah, <that too> <laughs> maybe it's like the grateful dead even though i didn't follow them around yeah, but i remember sure. when they came to new york city so <laughs> and i think also something is is that we are in a very wonderful time where um, there isn't a lot of major intense historical research about traditional things, you know, even though I think that you should be very mindful of historical things that do have accurate uh, depiction and description. I'm somebody who celebrates the solstice and Christmas. Mm -hmm. My family celebrates Christmas. I, I love Christmas. Now, do I celebrate the Christian version of Christmas? No, but do I celebrate the Hallmark holiday Christmas? Absolutely. So for winter solstice, I make magical gifts, whatever I decide that I think that I should make for this year that I deem that I think the people that I love the most will appreciate or need. Um, and that's how I celebrate my, my mystical prosperity. But then for canonical Christmas, I give gifts like everybody else does. I love giving gifts. I love getting gifts. Mm -hmm. So I think that you, what works for you, allow it to work for you, especially when it comes to the holidays, um, especially pagan holidays um, or holidays that happen to be um, assimilated into other calendar holidays. You know, you are more than welcome to partake of every holiday if that's what you want to and you have the... Um, religious inclination to those things. Um, but if we have a canonical Hallmark holiday and you enjoy it and your family does and that's something you want to partake of, then do it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely do it. Just because you celebrate or believe in one thing doesn't mean you can't reap the joy that something else may bring you. Well, I, I just want you to know that you're all just celebrating my birthday, okay? <laughs> just FYI. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about really my birthday. Just, just FYI. 
Um, so and, everything you know. closes down on your birthday is what you're saying. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I know. So it's, you're all celebrating me, but I can't go out on right. my birthday, okay? Yeah. Um, you mentioned magical gifts. We've done magical gift exchanges at Rituals um, where if you wanted to participate, you brought something, and then I think it was either our when we used to do the ho Oak and Holly King, right? Um, where I guess it's the Oak King vanquishes the Holly King at this point, uh, or the steward or stewardess of light would be the one that would give out just randomly. You, if you brought a gift, you got a gift. Um, and that was always really fun to kind of see what you would, what you would get, because you never really knew. It was sort of like a, a magical uh, gift. Giving. It was a white elephant, basically. Right, but it, I think of that white elephant, which is a new tradition to me because nobody plays white elephant on Long Island. Oh yeah. Where like you like you would get something, but you could steal something away from someone else. Well, I don't true. know. Yeah, you there can. was no stealing away from anybody else with the magical gift exchange at the winter solstice ritual. So it was just nice knowing that if you wanted a gift, you'd bring a gift, and if not, nobody gave a shit. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So I hope that your winter solstice is merry and bright. Yours too, T-Rex. Yours too. And God we'll be bless seeing us, you everyone. <laughs> we'll be seeing you soon for your Yule party, Samuel. Yay. I'm very excited Absolutely. about it. Absolutely. I'm making literally like three whole chickens. Get out of um, Lots of food, but also because I know the witches should definitely, I honestly am making it because I'm taking some food back to my altar. So I'm like, if I make a bunch of it, hopefully the <laughs> other witchy people will take food back to their altar so their ancestors and gods can partake of it. Nice. It was, it'd be, it's going to be delicious. Nice. I think you should get a, um, you should uh, try next year and make a tofurkey. Or not a tofurkey, uh, a turducken. I made a turducken at Thanksgiving. It was a turducken oh, yeah. disaster. Yeah, tell them how joyous that was. <laughs> it was like a Frankenducken. I, I, it was very good. It turned out, but it was uh, it was kind of a shit show. Um, so make a Christmas ham or a solstice ham, and know it connects to Yule. A have, Christmas a, a, have a have a have a um, what's it called? What do I call it? The vegetarian one. What's it called? The tofurkey. Oh, if yeah. you don't eat meats. Yeah. Um, where our next mini episode is going to be about food and the solstice and drinks. And, oh, look, there's a kitty over there that Samuel has that is distracting me. Um, so we will see you in about two weeks. Start planning your solstice, and we'll catch you later. Enjoy another song. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> Bye, y'all. Bye.